0: So we come now to our Bible readings, and the first reading is Psalm 45, which can be found on page 569 of the Bibles uh, on the chairs, or perhaps under your chair. Um, so it's Psalm 45 on page 569. My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skilful writer. You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your side, O mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride forth victoriously on behalf of truth, humility, and righteousness. Let your right hand display awesome deeds. Let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. Let the nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia, From palaces adorned with ivory, the music of the strings makes you glad. Daughters of kings are among your honoured women. At your right hand is the royal bride in gold of Ophir. Listen, O daughter, consider and give ear. Forget your people and your father's house. The king is enthralled by your beauty. Honour him, for he is your lord. The daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. Men of wealth will seek your favour. All glorious is the princess within her chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. In embroidered garments she is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow her and are brought to you. They are led in with joy and gladness. They enter the palace of the king. Your sons will take the place of your fathers. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. And the second reading is from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 3, and that can be found on page 1065. John 13, sorry. That's my mistake. <laughs> 1081. John 13. Sorry about that, Glenn. Begin to read at verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Great, do you want to keep that
1: open in front of you? We'll think of that uh, fascinating story, Uh, John chapter 13 the washing of the disciples' feet. And would you mind if I just said a short prayer that uh, God would really speak to us and we would know clearly what he has to say to us this morning? Let me pray for us. Father, we need your help. Please show us Jesus. Help us to see him clearly so that in his face we know what you are truly like and what we are truly like. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What does it look like when God shows up? That was the name of a sermon I gave in Eastbourne uh, a couple of years ago, and I told the church that that's what I was going to be preaching on. What does it look like when God shows up? And uh, I had heard from a number of different people oh, have you seen the advertising that they've done for. Um, this special guest service. I said, oh, I haven't seen anything. And then somebody said, apparently somebody's made up flyers and they're they're handing them all through the town. I said, well, that's very exciting. I I think they'll be greatly disappointed when they get there. But, you know, uh, that's great that they are so outwardly minded. And so there was this real buzz about the sermon. What does it look like when God shows up? And then I saw what people were talking about when I arrived at church. There was a massive sign outside the service And I said, what does it look like when God shows up? And there was a big picture of me right next to that. (laughs) What a tremendous disappointment that was for people. And what I was preaching on was there's this famous letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to a church uh, in Corinth. And as he opens up that letter, he says, do you want to know what God's power and wisdom look like? God's power and God's wisdom look like Jesus dying on a cross. What does it look like when God shows up? You know what it looks like when God shows up? It looks like a bleeding victim with his arms wide open to the world. That's an interesting picture of God, don't you think? It's interesting when we had the, the actions. I noticed that Chris receded into the background when the action song came, I, you know. He, he told me after the interview, introduce Helen. She will do the action songs. Uh, yeah. Clearly, Helen, Helen has the gift of action songs, and Chris, maybe not so much. I don't know. But, uh, do, do you remember singing the song, Our God is a Great Big God? Isn't that interesting? Great Big God. Oh, how do we think about the greatness of God? Actually, if you're thinking biblically about the greatness of God, what you actually picture is a bleeding sacrifice on the cross with his arms wide open to the world, bleeding his own heart's blood even for his enemies. Is that what you thought of when you thought of God? When you picture God, is that what you bring to mind? Jesus shows us a radically different God, a God that we could never dream up by ourselves, but a God that when we understand what he's like, he changes everything, absolutely everything. Throughout this long weekend, we've been thinking about John's gospel, which begins by introducing Jesus as the word of God. That means he is the explanation of God. He is what God looks like. And as we come to this passage in John chapter 13, it's fascinating. At the very end of chapter 12 and at the very beginning of chapter 14, Jesus says, I am what God looks like. Fascinating. So John chapter 12, verse 45, if you see at the bottom of page 1080, little number 45 refers to verse 45. He's talking about people, when a person looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. That's quite a claim, isn't it? Jesus Jesus is the sent one of God, the son of God, and he says, if you see him, you are seeing the Father. To look at Jesus is to see God. It's quite a claim, isn't it? If I said to you, you know what God looks like? Just keep looking here. That's ridiculous. That's why you laughed at the beginning of the sermon, right? What does it look like when God shows up? Me. That's a ridiculous thing for me to say. But that's the constant witness of Jesus. That's what he's always saying. If you want to know God, look at me. He says it at the end of John chapter 12. He says it at the beginning of John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 9, on page 1082. Jesus says to Philip, who's been following him for three years now, he says, Don't you know me, Philip, even if after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. To look at Jesus is to see God, okay? And Jesus is really clear about that. He's ended chapter 12 by saying it. He begins chapter 14 by saying it. So what does he do in chapter 13? With all eyes on Jesus, what does Jesus do to reveal the nature of God? stunning, isn't it? Look at verse 3 of chapter 13. John 13, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Amazing. Verse 3 tells us who is Jesus. Okay, he's the Son of the Father, full of the Holy Spirit. He was there before the world began, with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. He is the eternal Son of God. And all things have been placed in his hands. He is the heir of the cosmos. Everything is entrusted to Jesus. He is the revelation of God. He is what God looks like. And then verse four says, so he got up from the meal. And washed their feet. Doesn't that word so blow your mind? It's not the word you would expect to begin verse 4, is it? If you were the eternal Son of God with all power and authority at your disposal, what would you do with that power? What would you do? Would Would you get up from your place of honor? Would you take off your robe, the clothing of a king? Would you put on a towel, the clothing of a servant? Would you do the job of the lowest slave? Is that what you would do with all your omnipotent power and wisdom and authority? Is that what you would do? No chance. If you had the power that Jesus had, you would lie back on a sun lounger and you would click your fingers and you you would get someone to bring you a cocktail by the pool. Isn't that what you would do? That is not what Jesus does. And that is not what reveals God. You know what reveals God? Stooping, serving sacrificing, suffering, dying, even for enemies. That's what reveals the true and living God. That's surprising, isn't it? Jesus knew that everything had been placed into his hands, that he'd come from God, and he was returning to God, so he gets up and he serves, and and he does the job that the lowest slave in the household would do seems like somebody had forgotten their Middle Eastern manners at this meal on this night. It was usual for people to have their feet washed in this kind of way. Nobody's done it, never mind. The Son of God will do it. And do you notice how how John, who's writing this, he was there, he had his feet washed by Jesus that night. And he remembers every detail. There's there's some lovely details in here. Do, Do you notice in verse five, he mentions about Jesus' poured the water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet and he even adds the detail drying them with the towel like that doesn't add anything to the gospel it's just it's just something John was just there and he remembered it he remembered the way that Jesus with a towel padded dry all these naked feet and then do you notice in verse 12 When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. There are all these details there because John is just, he's carried back in his memory to that night. Remember when God stooped at your feet? Do you remember that time? Do you remember when God took on the clothing of a slave? Do you remember that time? Do you remember when he handled your naked, dirty, filthy feet? Do you remember that time when God did that? And then God patted dry your wet feet? Those details are amazing. I've, I've been thinking about these details actually all week as I've been, I've been thinking about this passage, and I want to know more. John's given us some details, but I want to know, like, like did Jesus kind of, did he kneel at each foot? And then did he kind of get up and then go to the next foot? Is that, is that what he did, so that he knelt at each person? Or did he just kind of shuffle? That's kind of what I'd do, because I'm lazy. i just sort of shuffle around, right? I look stupid, don't I? Do I look stupid? Okay, I'm gonna refrain from coming among you and actually you know, dealing with your carbuncle monstrosities, you know, mainly because Andy Martin's here and I just don't trust his feet, but uh, I'll, I'll refrain from doing that. But it, it, it looks very odd, doesn't it? it? Looks very odd. What if this is what God is like? What if he is the kind of God who comes and stoops and serves and cleanses us? Another detail that's not in here is um, who washed Jesus' feet? Who washed his feet? doesn't say anybody did. It seems like everyone in the room is getting cleaner and Jesus is getting dirtier. That's what it looks like, doesn't it? He's washing everyone else's feet. Nobody, nobody washes his feet. And Jesus says, the one seeing me is seeing the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. To know what God is like Jesus says in this room, to know what God is like, don't look up into the heavens and wonder. Look down at your feet to the slave, kneeling, bucket in hand, cleansing you. That's what God's like, according to the Bible. When we think of our God being a great big God, what do we think of? Perhaps we think of the Andromeda Galaxy and we we, we think of the Grand Canyon and the Swiss Alps and we think majesty and distance and awe and, and all of those things do reveal the grandeur of God. But if you really want to know what God's like, look down, look down into the manger, look down to the one washing feet, look down to the slave that would cleanse you so much does he love you. Look to the God who had spread his arms to the world. Because all of this is actually revealing, end of verse one, it's revealing the full extent of Jesus' love. And of course, every Christian knows that the full extent of Jesus' love is not just that he gets dirty on Maundy Thursday, this Thursday night. The, the full extent of Jesus' love is the cross. Throughout John's gospel, he keeps on saying, this is the time when I'm glorified. This is the time when you see what I'm truly like, when I'm lifted up on the cross with my arms outstretched to the world. The full extent of Jesus' love is the cross. So this foot washing is a picture of the cross. This foot washing is a a picture of what God does when he sees us in our mess. He sees us in the mess that we've made of our lives, and what does he do? He doesn't say, you've made your bed, now lie in it. He comes down, he stoops. He gets dirty in order to cleanse us. And that's the trajectory that he's on, entering into our filth in order to give us his cleansing. That's the trajectory that will take him all the way to the cross, where if you thought he looked shameful on this Thursday night, wait till you see what he looks like the next day. These same hands that washed and dried his disciples' feet, they would be nailed to a Roman cross. And it was the slave's death that he was about to die on that cross. Nonetheless, the Bible continually insists this is supremely what God looks like, the God who would stoop, serve, suffer, bleed, and die for you and me. How do you feel about that? How would you feel if you were there in the upper room that night? I think actually Peter kind of is the spokesperson for how all of us would feel if we were there on that night. Do you see what he says in verse six? Jesus came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. I understand Peter's response. Uh, I was once in India and staying with a very respectable family. I was actually staying with the, sort of the, the equivalent of a lord. He was called a Nawab, uh, the equivalent of a Maharaja, or in this country, a lord. And uh, uh, the, the thing to do was to have a pedicure. That's what they, they offered their guests. And uh, they said, you know, when do you want to have your pedicure? I said, how's never? Is never good for you? I <laughs> I don't want anyone poking around my feet. I I just didn't want that. And I caused real friction because I absolutely refused to sit over another human being as they handled my dirty feet. I just didn't didn't want that. And it caused such a stir, um, but I held to my guns and maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe I should have submitted and got the pedicure. But I just, uh, I understand Peter's response. It's an awkward thing, isn't it? How much more awkward would it have been if my host, this Nawab, had offered to give me a pedicure? How, how much more awkward would it be if he had knelt at my stinking feet? Well, how much more incredible is it that the God of heaven does that? And there is Peter, and he says, Lord, you, you'll, you'll never wash my feet. Why are you doing this? And you know, Jesus could very well respond to Peter, just say to Peter what he says throughout John's gospel. I'm just doing what God does. This is, this is my nature. This is what God's like, Peter. Get used to it. But what Jesus says here is, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. See, he's putting his finger on the fact of our uncleanness. You see, there, there is a God who is a great lover of our souls and This God tells the ultimate love story and and we are meant to live within this love story and and that's that's beautiful, but you and I, we're not very lovely. You and I, we spurn God's love. We turn from it and we twist love. You know, I, I might love you if you're particularly lovely and if I'm feeling in the mood that day, but if I'm not, I will withhold my love. Or I will just love you for the sake of how you make me feel. Or I will, I will just say that I love you, but really it's only just niceties that I'm giving to you. There's all sorts of ways in which I twist love and pervert love. And isn't it astonishing that the people we love most in life are also the people we hurt the most? Isn't that extraordinary? The people I say I love the most are the people I stick the knife into the deepest, not that extraordinary? And they do the same to me. We're, we're, just, we're messy. We're unclean. You see, Jesus is saying that here, this, this kind of foot washing, it's, it's just a symbol of the cleansing that all of us need because we're all unclean. Have you ever felt unclean on the inside? A friend of mine uh, was counseling a guy who had made some terrible decisions with his life and, and uh, this, this guy had just ruined his business, ruined his marriage, ruined his family. And he said to my friend at one stage, I wish I could take my whole life, bundle it up in a big washing machine and put it on the hottest wash until all the grit and the grime is gone. Have you ever wanted that? Have you ever wanted the true cleansing on the inside? Have you ever wanted a power shower on the inside? This is what Jesus offers. Jesus offers. We've already had verses from one of John's letters that comes later in the New Testament. We've already said these verses today that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is the offer that Jesus comes to bring. Earlier in that same letter, it says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. Because this is the offer. The offer is the lover of your soul, the king of heaven, has come down to take your uncleanness and to give you his cleanness. Because that's what love does. If I love you properly, if I love you truly, and you are in trouble, then I will say, your trouble will be my trouble. Your pain will be my pain. Your plight will be my plight. Your debts will be my debt. Your filth will be my filth. I'll join you. I'll shoulder it with you. And what does Jesus do? He comes down to you and me, and we are unclean, unlovely, unworthy. And Jesus says, let me take that uncleanness on myself, and this is why he goes to the cross. On the cross, he becomes an unclean thing. He dies outside the city on a, on, a, on a rubbish dump. He dies in an unclean place because he joins us where you and I are naturally. You and I naturally spurn love. You and I naturally live in a dark place, an unclean place. And Jesus says, let me take that myself. He goes to that cross. And those same hands that washed the feet on the Thursday night, they bleed blood on the Friday. And the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. He takes our uncleanness so we can have his cleanness. He takes our darkness so we can have his light. He takes our sin so we can have his salvation. And he offers that to Peter. He says, will you submit? Will you just... Will you be washed? Will you be washed? And eventually Peter submits, doesn't he? He says, yes, yes, great, wash me, cleanse me, I need it. Jesus, give that to me. And maybe this morning you feel that way too. Maybe you think, oh, Jesus, yeah, there is, there is an uncleanness to me. Jesus, cleanse me, purify me. Jesus will do it. The blood of Jesus purifies you from all sin. And then Jesus, in verse 12, he gets back to the top of the table and he says in verse 12, do you understand what I have done for you? Well, do you? Do you understand what Jesus has done for you? Do you understand that the the Son of God, the King of Heaven has come down, dirtied himself for you in order to cleanse you? Do you understand what he's done for you? If you understand that, then, verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Isn't that interesting? Jesus doesn't say, now that I've washed your feet, you can wash my feet. Come on. It's interesting. That's what you would say. If, if, if you had been gracious enough to be the king of heaven coming down and washing other people's feet, you would, if, if you'd managed to be that grace-filled, You would then probably say, now come on, come on, I went first, now it's your turn. Do you notice Jesus doesn't do that? He doesn't say, I've washed you, now you wash me. What does he say? I've washed you, now you pass it on. Now you wash one another. That's what he goes on to say, verse uh, 15. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you, pass it on, wash one another's feet. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. It's fascinating. Jesus sort of comes from heaven, bringing the, the cleansing of heaven. He dirties himself to cleanse us. He serves us in sacrificial love. And then he doesn't say, pay me back. He says, pay it forwards, because this is the blessed life. This is the happy life. And we struggle to believe Jesus, don't we? We, we tend to think the happy life is, I will keep myself to myself. And I'll try to stay on the sun lounger and I'll try to get somebody to serve me the cocktail and that's, that's the blessed life, isn't it? It's to keep myself to myself? Jesus says no, the blessed life is God's life. And what is God's life? God's life is serving and stooping and suffering for the sake of another. That's God's life and that's the happy life. So now that if you've received the love of Jesus, what are you meant to do with it? Well, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. This is what church life is all about. Church life is, we are the place where we receive the love of Jesus and we pass it on to one another. And actually, the call to come to Christ is actually a call to come into church life, to experience the love of Jesus, and then to flow out into the world with the same love of Christ. That's, that's what the, the blessed life is all about, and I wonder if you want to live it. If you're a member of St. Stephen's here, I hope you're saying, yes, this is the good life. This is the good life. Being cleansed by Jesus and then serving the world. This is the good life. Uh, but I, I, I hope if you're not perhaps a member here or you're just a guest, I hope you're starting to think, this is amazing. This, this looks like the blessed life. If this is true, then yeah, this must be what God is like. If this is true, then perhaps I do need cleansing. And if this is true, then maybe my life should be about receiving God's love and passing it on. Maybe that's what my life should be. And if you're starting to think in those terms, well, bad luck, you're becoming a Christian. That's just kind of how it happens. Here's how you become a Christian. It's very simple. You, You look at Jesus here and you think, he must be God. And, and, and once you think that, bad luck, you're a Christian. It's, it's, it's happened to you, right? You look here and you think, he must be God, right? Our God is a great big God. Well, he shows how great and big he is by dying for me on the cross. This must be God, okay? And as you start to see this Jesus as Lord, as God, you also start to realize in yourself, yeah, there's uncleanness to me and I, I, need, I need Jesus to deal with that. And you need to submit to that the way that Peter did. You know, Peter had to submit to Jesus cleansing him. And you need to submit to Jesus getting his hands on you and cleansing you. You'll need to submit to that. Admit that you're wrong and submit to Jesus coming into your life, not just as God in the abstract, but coming into your life as your God. And then Jesus will lead you on the blessed life, the happy life. You know what the happy life is? Passing it on. Receiving the love of heaven and passing it on to the world. Do you want that for yourself? You can have it. You can have it this morning. I'm just going to say a short prayer now, and it's just a way of responding to the love of Jesus. And if you have at all looked at Jesus and thought to yourself, you're the one, you're it. You must be Lord. If you've looked to Jesus at all and you've thought that, I would love you to respond to him this morning. And uh, I'll just offer some words. The words are not magic, but they're the sort of thing that you might want to start saying to Jesus. Should we all just bow our heads? Let's bow our heads and let me pray for us. You can echo this silently in your heart if it's true for you. Lord Jesus, you are an amazing God. You have stooped and served and loved me. Thank you. I'm sorry for my uncleanness. I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, you died for me and rose again. I want you in my life. Please get your hands on me. Take me. Guide me. And walk with me through life and into eternity. Amen. If you've uh, said a prayer like that and it's meant something in terms of making a step of faith in Jesus uh, or perhaps returning to uh, a faith of old, then uh, I'd love to give you a book at the end of this. Uh, If you could just make yourself known to me. I'd love to shake you by the hand and uh, give you some advice on how to take those first few steps in your walk with Jesus. But thanks so much for listening.